Welcome to Archway's Western Civilization History Podcast. In our podcast, we look for the best of the West and discuss the stories, events, themes, and people that made the West different from the rest. Backed by popular demand is a sequel to our most popular episode, The History of Chess, which came out last year for my wife's birthday as episode 37. In this episode, at my wife's suggestion, we will be diving deeper into chess strategy and the history behind it as we look into chess openings. According to international master and YouTube chess teacher Levy Grosman, quote, chess openings are named after people or places, the people who played a critical role in their development or the places where they were first played or popularized, close quote. In our Western Civilization podcast, I think it is of value to look into these people and places as we attempt to better understand this classic game of chess, particularly its openings. In today's episode, we will be discovering the five most popular chess openings. We'll discuss their advantages and disadvantages, their place in history, and what we can learn from them. Since it's been a year since this podcast has looked into chess, I'll briefly review what we previously covered. Chess has its origins as an ancient 7th century Indian war game for military officers called Chaturanga. It eventually evolved into a game of leisure and became extremely popular in Persia under the Sassanids and then the Abbasids in the 8th and 9th centuries. Much of the layout and rules we're familiar with today were hammered out during this period, such as the number of pieces, the squares on the board, and the movement rules. As the game spread via merchant sailors traveling to Spain and Italy in the 15th century, the Europeans added some new rules to help speed up the game. They added an important new piece, the supercharged queen, to replace the tepid vizier. They also allowed pawns to move two spaces to start, along with the caveat of en passant. Finally, they added castling, under specific circumstances, it's the ability to swap the king and the rook, boldly bringing the rook into play while hiding the king in a defensive position. These features allowed players to implement their strategy earlier on and get to the action quicker, rather than having an awkward shuffling of pieces to start the game. This helped the game transform from something only monks and nobles had time for into the democratized hobby that we love today. With these rules established, Chess was ready to take the next leap forward. Starting in the 16th century, chess masters began developing optimal tactics for the start of the game, leveraging these new rules of castling and pawn movements. These tactics are known collectively as chess openings. A chess opening is the initial phase of a chess game, in which both players establish their long-term strategies and tactics for the rest of the game. Just a note here, since this often comes up at my job at the army, the difference between a strategy and a tactic is that a strategy is the long-term plan, whereas a tactic is the individual steps to get there. The opening phase typically involves the first 8 to 10 moves of the game. For my real-time strategy gamers out there playing Age of Empires, Age of Mythology, Starcraft, Warhammer 40k, or Company of Heroes, chess openings are analogous to build orders in that they're the optimal steps that you want to take in the beginning of your game in order to enable you to survive and have enough resources to implement your preferred strategy. They might feel like a chore, they might feel like they're boxing you in and forcing you to make the same rote moves everyone else is doing, but in reality, they're actually very liberating. There are five reasons that chess openings are important. First, they establish control. 
Openings allow players to develop their pieces. In chess, developing your pieces means getting them out of their starting spots and into advantageous locations across the board. These advantageous positions allow you to attack and hinder your opponent while keeping your own pieces protected. The most advantageous parts of the board are the center files, aka columns, and the center ranks, aka rows. Each file corresponds to a letter, and so the middle two files are called D and E. Each rank corresponds to a number, and so the middle ones are 4 and 5. So, some of the most advantageous spots on the board are D4, D5, E4, and E5. Oftentimes, developed pawns and knights will find themselves jockeying for control of these central files during an opening. For my Connect 4 gamers out there, this will be very familiar to you. If you don't control the central column in Connect 4, you can literally only win vertically. Control of the middle is absolutely crucial. Second, openings help you avoid early defeat. This is how they can be liberating. A well-played opening can help a player avoid early mistakes and material loss, which gives you more freedom to pursue your strategy in the middle and end game. Third, some openings are designed to create a tactical advantage, such as a pawn breakthrough or an attack on the opponent's king, which can lead to a quicker win. Fourth, openings help players expand their knowledge of chess strategy and tactics, ultimately improving their overall gameplay. After four moves from each player, there are 85 billion possible chessboard configurations. Learning chess openings lets you ignore the vast majority of these billions of bad starts and just focus on the ones that the masters use. This lets you focus your energy on customizing a few dozen optimal starts for your own strategy. Fifth, openings allow you to recognize what your opponent's strategy will be. This can help you in formulating counter plans. Now, without further ado, let's get into the most famous openings. First up, the Rui Lopez, or Spanish opening. We talked about Rui in our chess episode last year. He was a Spanish priest in the 1500s who took advantage of the printing press to be one of the first generation of chess writers and strategists. His contributions to chess are writing about the King's Gambit and the Spanish opening, even though he was not the inventor of these ideas. The Spanish opening, and you may want to pull up a chessboard for this. If you're white, it starts with pawn to e4, knight to f3, and bishop to b5. Assuming black moves their pawn to e5 to defend and knight to c6. This opening is great because it puts the white bishop in position to take black knight on c6. Ironic, considering Rui Lopez was famous for schooling the white bishops of the Vatican in chess. Anyway, this is one of the most popular openings in chess, especially at the highest levels. It was played several times at the World Chess Championship in 2021 between Magnus Carlsen and Ian Nipnopniakti. And now for a quick word from our sponsor, Sicilian Openings Pizza. Do you crave the excitement and unpredictability in your chess games? Are you tired of playing the same old openings that lead to stale, predictable outcomes? Are you tired of white always pulling out the Spanish opening, leading to them controlling the center files? If yes, you know it is time to unleash the heat of the Sicilian defense. Take that black pawn in C7 and move it to C5 instead. Forget about the E-file. White will never suspect this and it is very, very aggressive like a spicy peppercino. 
the Sicilian defense is the ultimate fresh choice to bring sizzling to the chessboard. And if you do, you're far from alone. The Sicilian is the most popular defense used by masters in 42% of games. This opening will leave you hungry for more as you seize control of the center and launch a relentless attack on that king. Don't settle for bland, tasteless openings that only lead to stale mates. Choose the Sicilian defense and take a bite out of your opponent's elo. Thanks Sicilian Openings Pizza. You know, listening to this ad, I realized I never explained what elo is. Elo is a method for calculating the relative skill level of players in zero-sum games like chess or Age of Empires. It was created by Arpad Elo, a Hungarian physics professor and chess enthusiast who lived from 1903 to 1992. He realized that the existing chess rating systems varied wildly as players won and lost. He knew that a player's true skill remained much more static, only gradually improving or worsening over time. He developed a mathematical framework for determining a player's true score. The greatest players of all time fall well above 2400, while the beginners are below 100. With that clarification out of the way, the next opening we'll talk about today is the Italian game. The Italian opening is one of the oldest recorded chess openings. Like the Rui Lopez opening, it is one of the 12 openings mentioned in the Gottingen Manuscript, which is the earliest known work devoted entirely to modern chess published 70 years before Rui Lopez would publish his treatise. The Gottingen Manuscript was written in 1490 in Latin, the language of scholars and clergy. Among the first commenters on the Italian game were the 16th century masters like Giulio Cesare Polerio and Pedro Damiano. Polerio being the inventor of the Polerio defense and the Polerio gambit, and Damiano being the guy who coined the well-known chess aphorism, quote, if you see a good move, try to find a better one, close quote. The Italian opening was most popularized in the 17th century by legendary chess commentator Giacchino Greco. Greco was the first person to record entire chess games and publish them. He was the first person to write down the fool's mate, which is a checkmate delivered in the fewest possible moves, and he was also possibly the first professional chess player in the history of the world, raking in tons of dough, defeating all the great chess players of Paris, London, Rome, and Madrid. Having defeated every enemy on the continent, he traveled to America in search of new opponents. Alas, while traveling there, he succumbed to disease and died in the West Indies. On his, on his deathbed, he bequeathed his life savings of chess earnings to the Jesuit priests. That being said, as all these men knew, the Italian opening is great. It has all the classic markings of a great opening. Controlling the center, developing your knights and bishops, protecting your king. It begins with a white pawn to e4, a black pawn to e5, white knight to f3, black knight to c6, and then white, unsheathing its bishop, placing it on c4. From there, black will respond with either the two knights defense, mobilizing a knight to f6, or alternatively, unsheathing their own bishop in response, placing him eye to eye with the white bishop at c5. From here, white can pull up pawns to c3 and then d4. This approach, or variation of the Italian opening, is called the gioco piano. Gioco meaning game, piano meaning soft. 
Known as the quiet game in English, it allows White to be in a comfortable position, controlling the center files, allowing them launch into an early kingside attack with quickly developed knights and a protected dark square bishop. The development happens fast because the center is so secure that castling can be delayed. It's subtle but powerful. So next time on a long car ride and your parents suggest playing the quiet game, Tell them that, yes, you'll be keeping your pawns close and you'll delay castling. Now, since the 15th century, chess masters Adolf Anderson and others have developed an even more subtle variant of the quiet game that has now become the standard for professional play. This is called the Gyoko Pianissimo. Gyoko meaning game and pianissimo meaning very, very soft. It involves the fourth move taking the pawn to d3 instead of d4. White is aiming for a slow build-up here, deferring the push to d4 until it is completely prepared. By avoiding an immediate confrontation in the center, White prevents the early release of tension through exchanges and enters a positional maneuvering game. Some people think this approach is boring, but it has continued to be popular in top-level play, often being utilized by Anish Guri, Wesley So, and Maxime vachier Lagrave. It was used in Carlson vs. Nakamura in 2011 and Kasparov vs. Lautier in 1994. And now for a word from another sponsor, Napoleon Bonaparte. Gentlemen, ladies, as Napoleon Bonaparte, your Grand Marshal and God Emperor, the discoverer of the Rosetta Stone, and the man who not only doubled the size of France, but also the size of the United States, a man who was of a slightly above average height, standing at 5 foot 6, I easily command attention and respect in whatever situation I am in. If you want to feel a fraction of the power that I command in real life, try using the French defense opening on a chessboard. Your opponents will quiver in fear as an unstoppable wall of black pawns surrounds their pathetic army, encroaching on d4. Meanwhile, my jolie Josephine, my queen, sneaks out with some knights and kills that pathetic white king. Ha ha ha! Girl idiot! With the French defense, you will become a master of strategy, a true champion of the game. But be warned. This opening is not for the weak-minded nor the faint of heart, nor for people who like the bougie works and bishops do not be stuck behind a wall of pawns. And it is especially not for those who prefer the Sicilians. Oh, no, no, no. The French defense is for those sophisticated erudites with cat-like cunning who dare to conquer the chessboard with the same audacity that led me to conquer nations. So, my dear soldiers, you have what it takes to wield the power of the French defense like a true tiny version of Napoleon. Choose this opening, and you shall reign victorious over your opponents, just as I reigned over Europe. Vive la France, and vive la French defense chess opening. Thanks, Napoleon. The next opening I'd like to talk about is the Caro Khan. The Caro Khan is like a mirror image of the French opening. Both are types of building block openings. Building block openings are in response to white pawn playing e4. Instead of black seizing the center, 
Black methodically builds up a central defense, starting from moving a pawn just one space forward at e6 for the French, or d6 for the Karo Khan. After this, Black moves another pawn up two spaces to d5 for both the French and the Karo Khan. This leads to a diagonal wall of black pawns that defend each other up to the fifth rank. At this point, white will often play the queen's gambit. They will bring up a pawn to c4, and you'll see that pawn from your perch at d5, and you will at this point face enormous temptation. You will look hungrily at the c4 pawn, thinking it is a consequence-free capture. Your tongue may salivate, your eyeballs may strain, and your forehead will sweat but the stark reality is that this gambit is a distraction. Like an ancient siren, that pawn is luring you away from your brothers, your wall of pawns, and you are ceding the control of the center files to white's domination. Don't fall for it. Pawns together strong. Anyway, unlike the French opening, at this point the Karo Khan defense does not hinder the development of the light-squared bishop, but it does make it lag a little bit. Though this is a distinct disadvantage, here's the key fact to remember. In 62 million games, black responding to white playing e4 with a mirrored e5 results in white winning 51% of the time. But in the 10 million times black responds to e4 with the Karo Khan playing the pawn to c6, it drops white's win rate to 47%. Fascinating, right? In your first move of the game, you can potentially reduce your opponent's chance of winning by 4%. This is because since white has the initiative, simply mirroring them still cedes to them the advantage. But if you can catch them off guard and force them to respond to you, now you have the initiative. For this reason, this opening has been popular since 1886, and even to this day is used regularly by Grandmasters Vladislav Artemiev, Alireza Firiza, Ding Liren, and Hikaru Nikamura. Though there are many other great chess openings, like the Modern Defense, the Slav Defense, the Perk Defense, etc., we have regrettably run out of time for this episode. Don't fret though, with these five that I've already given you, you have plenty to look over and study. I challenge you to try each of these out and see which suits your playstyle. If you like content like this, let me know by emailing us at archwayspodcast at gmail.com or comment in our feedback section on Spotify. Who knows, maybe we'll get to the other openings. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and share with a friend. For more information on this topic, check out the sources listed in the description. If you don't like this episode, don't worry. We're covering many exciting history topics this year. Medieval queens, explorers, crusaders, cathedrals, the Tower of Pisa, longitude lines, the printing press, missionaries, sainthood, and medicine in the Renaissance. So keep on listening. I'm Doug Archway, and that's history for you.